0: Welcome into Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Yesterday I was out running around. You ever had to get passports for your kids? Both parents have to be there. It's a zoo. That's where I was yesterday. Out on radio, out on TV, out on everywhere cuz I was running around with that. I'll obviously back today. I'll be back tomorrow. Um, and, uh, all next week, basically, except for Friday when I'm headed down to Key West. Then I'll be back for Christmas for a couple of days. Then I'm headed out to Park City. That's where the Travis family is going to spend, uh, much of the next couple of weeks. But I want to start right off the top with the conversation that everybody's having. Uh, earlier this morning, it was announced that Joe Biden had brought back Brittany Griner, who'd been imprisoned for violating Russian law as it pertains to cannabis she had been sentenced, I believe, to nine years in prison. Brittany Griner, formerly of Baylor, plays in the WNBA right now. Uh, and she was traded for a man by the name of Victor Boot, who is also known as the Merchant of Death. Now, a lot of you out there are saying, boy, I I don't know, a WNBA player that America gets in exchange for the merchant of death, sounds like a deal that only Bill O'Brien, formerly of the Houston Texans, could put together. Sounds like a deal that the Minnesota Vikings made back in the day for Herschel Walker from the Dallas Cowboys, that the Dallas Cowboys were able to use all the draft picks they got and build a dynasty. In other words, Joe Biden maybe... With the worst trade of all time. It's not only that. It is that Paul Whalen, former Marine, has been sentenced to 16 years in prison. He's already spent nearly four years in Russian prison. Brittany Griner skipped over him. I guess former Marine should have been a basketball player who hates America. He would have gotten out of the country faster. And... What's going on here? This is a failure on many different levels by the Biden administration, but let me just break it all down for you. Let's talk about Victor Boot for a moment. This is a guy who on the most wanted list was up there by Osama bin Laden. When the Russian uh, government collapsed and capitalism arrived, Victor Boot basically took all of the Russian gear, military, that he could find and shipped it to war-torn countries, many of them in Africa. And as 60 Minutes reported, turned what would have otherwise been an old musket war or a machete war into an AK-47 war leading to the death of tens of thousands of people who would otherwise potentially be alive today. United States finally caught Victor Boot, put him behind prison, and then Russia, in this outrageous uh, trade, managed to get back Victor Boot. Let me just talk about two issues that I don't think are being discussed enough associated with Victor Boot. The Democrats claim to be the party of gun control. In fact, Joe Biden today went to a, uh, a remembrance for victims of gun violence. Democrats just put back out onto the global streets probably the number one purveyor of illegal weapons. Anywhere in the world. I want you to think about that. If you truly care about the proliferation of weapons. And guns. And rifles. And mass casualty producing uh, weaponry. Literally the Democrats just took out of prison in America. The man most responsible for mass death via gunfire. And put him back on the streets to allow more people to die. Second. If you truly care about Ukraine, you just allowed Russia, which is having all sorts of difficulties arming and supplying its army as it invades Ukraine and continues through a winter standoff, one of, if not the number one arms dealer in the world and allowed him to return to Russia and probably immediately began procuring more weapons to allow their war against Ukraine to be more successful than it otherwise would be. So leaving aside the Brittany Griner aspect of this deal completely, in one fell swoop, Joe Biden put one of the biggest purveyors of weapons, illegal weapons that murder people, back out onto the global streets and he aided and abetted Russia in their war with Ukraine. And what did he get in exchange for doing that, for taking one of the most wanted criminals out of an American prison and sending it to Russia? What did he end up with? He got a WNBA player who happens, as you saw Randy Weingarten brag about, to be black and gay. And unfortunately, that is a huge part of this because the Democrat Party only cares about identity politics. This is being overwhelmingly rejected and ridiculed, even on Twitter, which might be a function of the United States finally having some freedom of thought on Twitter as it pertains to this story. Now, I put it up on social media and allowed people to vote. I'm betting over a hundred thousand people have voted so far. Uh, actually, forty thousand people have voted so far, at least according to uh, to this. Was Brittany Griner for Victor Boot a good trade for Joe Biden and his administration? I'm going to retweet this and allow you guys to be uh, able to see it. 92% of the tens of thousands of people, nearly 40,000 people, have voted in the first few hours. I bet it will go over 100,000 now that I've retweeted it. 92% of voters in my poll sewing, saying no, this was not a good trade. Also, Think about the precedent we're setting here. We are setting a precedent that is endangering more Americans overseas because what countries are learning is if we seize mildly famous, because I think it's only fair to say that Brittany Griner is mildly famous. No WNBA uh, basketball player is that famous, right? In the grand scheme of things. Um, mildly famous Americans, and we hold them for crimes... Than actual criminals, people who have committed real, violent, dangerous depredations upon the global community and the United States, they're going to be able to get out of prison. So Joe Biden has incentivized evil actors and, and, and foes of the United States to imprison even more of our people. Now, let's talk about Paul Whalen for a moment. He is, and I've been talking about this for a while, this is really, really an unfortunate and serious story. Um, Let me read a quote from, I mentioned Randy Weingarten, who kept your kids out of school for years. And of course, she has a Ukraine flag in her bio, even though Joe Biden just aided uh, the Russian army massively. What a great relief. Extraordinary news. A basketball star but also a gay black woman is released. What kind of world are we in when an American comes home and the immediate reaction from the left wing is, thankfully, we've got a gay black woman who is actually out. I mean, this is crazy. Um, Paul Whelan told CNN, this is the former Marine who has been in prison for nearly four years. I'm reading a direct quote. I'm greatly disappointed more hasn't been done to secure my release, especially as the four-year anniversary of my arrest is coming up. I was arrested for a crime that never occurred. I don't understand why I'm still sitting here. This is important. Paul Wayland says he never committed a crime. Brittany Griner admitted that she committed a crime. Paul Whelan has been in jail for years as a Marine. He doesn't get out. Brittany Griner gets to skip in front of him in line because the Biden administration cares about playing identity politics. I don't think this would have been a good trade even if we had gotten both of these individuals out of Russian prison because, frankly, Victor Boot, given what he can do uh, with the Ukraine-Russia war going on and given what he's already done, is a huge danger to the global uh, world given uh, his background. But even in that context, this is embarrassing because you've got a former Marine. Many of you out there say there's no such thing as a former Marine. There's just Marines, which I can respect. And a guy who's been in jail for prison for four years nearly. And you got Brittany Griner who's been detained for much less of a period of time. And overwhelmingly, Joe Biden is being slammed for this decision. I've said this for a long time. Really, when you break it down, the only thing, the only thing that the president has is his judgment. That is what the job of a president is. They bring you the most difficult situations, things that people are arguing about all day long, every day, And they tell you, hey, try to solve this. And so he is making a decision on this issue. And I think he got it completely wrong. And unfortunately, this is a political decision. I also don't think it's a coincidence that this happens a couple of days after the runoff in Georgia. I don't think it's a coincidence that it happens after the midterms because I think Joe Biden knows that the American public overwhelmingly would have rejected this uh, trade and that it's bad overall for his political standing maybe good with his base for people who only see race and gender and only care about these things but as more and more details of this trade continue to be released there are reports that Saudi Arabia was involved and that might be why Mohammed bin Salman was given uh, a all clear in terms of being prosecuted for uh, his role in the Jamal Khashoggi murder all of this just keeps making Joe Biden look worse and ultimately what does it do? It indicts his judgment and if you believe like I do that Joe Biden's mental fa- uh, faculties are so poor it indicts the larger judgment of the White House as a whole and their ability to analyze politics. Now, hey, Clay Travis right here. Outkick the show is dominating. We'll continue to roll. More coming back in a moment but first, this. Uh, another news. Dan Snyder investigation has come out that Congress was involved in. Dan Snyder, of course, is the owner of the Washington Commanders, formerly the Washington Redskins football franchise. And there appears to be some form of cover-up associated with uh, the investigation that ensued into improper behavior inside of the Washington Commanders dealing with women who worked at Washington. Uh, and in particular, I've been saying this for a long time, it never made sense to me that we didn't see the full report and uh, NFL investigative report and that we never saw other than a handful of emails. Do you remember how it was like there was a code red ordered on John Gruden and they released a few emails from John Gruden out of like 600,000 and John Gruden lost his job? John Gruden's now suing And even back then, if you go back and listen to what I was saying, I said, this doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I don't think John Gruden's the only person over the last decade plus who has sent inappropriate emails if they're being looked at and there's 600,000 of them. Uh, And instead, John Gruden gets fired, millions of dollars in lost earnings. He's basically persona non grata. And nobody else is implicated in inappropriate emails, essentially, Uh, And I said it felt like a hit. It felt like a political hit from Washington designed to send a message to the rest of the NFL about public criticism of Dan Snyder in Washington. And now, according to that report, and I shared a link, I think it's a 70-some-odd page report, uh, it appears that Washington is now the source of the leaked emails that cost John Gruden his job, which further solidifies what uh, what impressions and opinions I had about this from the get-go. Uh, now, a couple of other things. Uh, on Tuesday night, Herschel Walker officially lost to the Reverend Raphael Warnock. I thought Herschel was going to win this race. Uh, I thought Georgia would unanimously go back to being all red. I was wrong. Seven out of eight Republicans won statewide in Georgia— Herschel Walker narrowly lost in November, narrowly loses in this runoff in December. Uh, Brian Kemp beat Stacey Abrams by seven and a half points. Every other Republican candidate in Georgia won. And I got to say this, got to speak truth sometimes. In Georgia, if you look at the data, Democrats didn't win this Senate race. Republicans lost it. What do I mean by that? When you look at the data in November and now in December, people who voted for, uh, for Brian Kemp, who won by seven and a half points and who voted for every other statewide Republican, some of them did not vote for Herschel. Brian Kemp won against Stacey Abrams by over 200,000 votes. Comfortable win. So too did all of the other people in Georgia up and down the ballot, except for Herschel Walker. The reason why Herschel lost was not Democrats. It was because some people who were voting Republican flipped and split their ticket. They voted all the way down, basically, for the Republican, but they didn't vote for Herschel. Who are these people? A lot of them, white, suburban voters, weren't willing to vote for Herschel Walker over the Reverend Raphael Warnock. Why weren't they? Trump has got to... This is my analysis. Trump has got... Are there multiple factors? Yes. Herschel Walker was overspent. There were a lot of personal political attacks against Herschel Walker that had some impact. I don't think there's any doubting that. But, ultimately, I think a lot of people in Georgia voted against Donald Trump in the Republican Party, not in the Democrat Party. Of course, they don't support Trump. There is a not insubstantial segment of Republicans, if you look at the numbers in Arizona and in Georgia in particular, that are not willing to support Trump candidates. Remember, Trump endorsed David Perdue in his run for the uh, Republican nomination, and Brian Kemp beat him by 50 points a lot of Georgians like that Brian Kemp and a lot of other people on the ticket were willing to stand up to Donald Trump. Herschel actually united Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump, but as the hand-picked choice of Donald Trump, it got Herschel through the primary, but I think ultimately it hurt him with Republican voters and certainly with independent voters. And I think there needs to be an honest and rational analysis of that. Trump, and I got the numbers here, uh, I have the numbers for you, and I think this is important. In toss-up states, and there are a lot of toss-up states out there, uh, here are Trump's endorsements in Nevada, Arizona, uh, in Wisconsin, and in the Senate. Uh, All of these states, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, that were super toss-up states, right? The states we've been talking about for months. Pennsylvania, Georgia, uh, Nevada, and Arizona. Those are the four states' biggest toss-up states, I would say. For governor, Trump endorsed Carrie Lake. She lost. I think Carrie Lake is a phenomenal candidate. I think she should have won. She's suing, saying that she won. But the numbers, I don't think, are going to get overturned. She lost by around 15,000 votes, a tiny sliver of them. Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania, endorsed by Trump, got roasted. Tim Michaels in Wisconsin, endorsed by Trump, lost. Tudor Dixon, I love Tudor Dixon. thinks think she was a really good candidate. Endorsed by Trump in Michigan, she lost. Lombardo got a win. Sonny Perdue was the Trump endorsement in Georgia. He lost by 50 points. So Lombardo is the only governor in a toss-up state that Trump won out there. Barely won Nevada. In the Senate, Blake Masters, endorsed by Trump. I like Blake. We had him on the show a lot. Lost. Dr. Oz, endorsed by Trump. Had him on the show a lot. Worked as hard as I could for Dr. Oz. He lost. Adam Laxalt, really good. I don't think you can blame Trump in any way for Adam Laxalt. He was the best candidate, I think, in Nevada. I think he lost by like 8,000 votes. Herschel Walker, endorsed by Trump. Lost. Donald Balduck in New Hampshire, endorsed by Trump, lost. Ron Johnson, of the toss-up guys, and I love Ron Johnson. We had him on a bunch, is the only one of those guys in the Senate to win. Um, And in the Secretary of State races, all of them lost. My point on this is in the toss-up states, in the battleground states that you are going to need to win, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Arizona, Georgia. Michigan, Wisconsin, in those states where you're going to have to win some of them in order to be elected president, Trump's preferred candidates in 2022 did not perform sterling. They didn't. Trump went 2-14 and 14 in those toss-up states in terms of the people he endorsed. Ron DeSantis won and Lombardo won as governor. Independents broke to vote in favor of Democrats. A lot of that, I think, has to do with the 2020 election. It's my opinion. If you want to win in 24, you have to analyze the data that you have from 22. Finally, some of you may have listened to Clay and Buck earlier today. We had Ann Coulter on. She's a multiple New York Times bestselling author. She went after Trump. I am telling you right now, we don't know who the choices are going to be. I think the story of 2023, in my opinion, is going to be Ron DeSantis against Donald Trump. That is going to be a battle royale. It's going to be an ugly fight. It's going to be an eye-gouging fight. It's going to be a biting fight. They're going to be rolling around on the ground doing everything they can, these two guys, to end up the nominee for the Republican Party in 2024. It's going to be nasty. If you are a Republican voter or if you're an independent voter, maybe even a Democrat sitting around right now, there's a lot of conversations out there about what is going to happen in 24 but uh, among Republicans, that is going to be the battleground, the huge fight that is going on between DeSantis and between Trump. and Coulter stepped right into it. We took calls. I think it's going to be the biggest story on the Republican side of the political debate in all of 2023. Because I expect Joe Biden to announce. I expect Joe Biden to be the Democrat nominee unless something happens to him health-wise. And I think Republicans are going to have to decide who's the candidate most likely to beat Joe Biden. Is it Donald Trump? Ron DeSantis? Maybe somebody else. Nikki Haley. Glenn Youngkin. There are a lot of different people out there who may end up running. Mike Pompeo. Ted Cruz. 2024. We'll have to end up seeing what happens there. I appreciate all of you. DBAP unless you need to SBAP. I am Clay Travis. This has been Outkick, the show.